Hi, and welcome to a brand new edition of Jewish Thought Flow. This is your one and only host, Mati Cohen. I will be taking over the podcast um, exclusively until I find a new partner, as Avi is on to bigger and better things. As the Supreme Court has just overturned Roe v. Wade, the topic is fresh on people's minds. We have people yelling it's murder from conception. We have people yelling that it's the woman's right to choose and you're, you're discriminating against women by not allowing it. But lost in most of the discussions that I've heard, even among religious Jews, is the Jewish pr- approach. It's the, what, what does the halacha say regarding abortions? It's a very misunderstood area. Another question that has to be asked is, do we care about what the law is in general? Do we care that non-Jews are doing something immoral? How much should we care about that? So these are all questions that we're going to be discussing throughout this episode. So most people have heard or understand that abortion is a, a religious thing. Religion is against abortion. The question is, where, where does that even come from? Um, so the Pasuk really doesn't talk about abortion anywhere. The, the, the only Pasuk that talks about explicitly um, damaging or damages done to a fetus or killing a fetus is a Pasuk in Shemais, in Chafalef, Perak Chafalef, Pasuk Chafbez, and Chafgimel, which talks about two men who are fighting with each other. And one of them accidentally hits a woman who is pregnant and the fetus dies. And the Pasuk says that the man has to pay damages for this fetus. So not a lot to go on there. Um, none of this, oh, the you know, a verse says that it's murder from conception. None of that's really in the Pesukim. So the first thing we have to do is differentiate between Jews and non-Jews, because surprisingly enough, the halacha is actually different in regards to abortion between a Jew and a non-Jew. So the Gemara in Sanhedrin and in Zion Bays, which goes as follows. Mishim Rabbi Shmuel Amru, af barin. So in the name of Rabbi Shmuel, it was said, even on fetuses, non-Jews are chay of misa. My time at Rabbi Shmuel. What's his reasoning? It's a Pasuk in Bereshis, which says that if you spill the blood of the man, which literally means in a man, so his blood, and the person who spilled that blood, his blood should be spilled. What is a man which is in an Adam? I will say that this is a fetus which is inside the mother. In other words, the Pasuk is teaching us that a non-Jew is chayv misa for aborting a fetus. Now, the Gemara further differentiates between before 40 days and after 40 days. So before 40 days, the Gemara calls the fetus mayabalma, which means it's just a liquid, it's just water. Um, the Gemara says it's in Yvamas, in Daf, Samach Tes, Amad Beis. And there are actually numerous halachic, uh, practical halachic nafkaminas with this 40 days. So, for example, a woman is only tameh if she has a miscarriage of a baby after 40 days from conception. Uh, this is also when the fetus is considered a child in regards to inheritance, and also for uh, for kahuna, if the if the woman marries uh, a non-kain um, and has a and becomes pregnant, so it's only after forty days is that pregnancy considered to have actually had a a baby. Um, the the phrase myabalma is 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 used because the fetus at that stage doesn't have a very human-like form. Uh, but we do see that after 40 days, this this fetus is considered to be human in regards to different monetary issues, uh, which doesn't necessarily have any bearing on our conversation about whether you can abort. And this also connects very nicely with the Gemara and Brachis, which tells us that by 40 days, one is allowed to daven. Um, sorry, before 40 days, one is allowed to daven for the, the fetus to be a boy or a girl because the gender is not yet set. Um, that's a discussion for another time, exactly what the Gemara means over there. But suffice it to say that before 40 days, this 
this fetus is not considered uh, human in, in for many issues. Um, therefore, a non-Jew would be able to abort before 40 days halachically. Rav Maisha says this explicitly in, in his tshuva that we're going to be talking about much more later on. Um, Rav Chaim Ezer Gudinsky also poskins this in, in his uh, Sefer Achiezer. Uh, so a non-Jew, after 40 days, um, is not able to abort, and that's an Isser Ritzicha. It's, a, it's an Isser of murder. Uh, before 40 days, uh, they could abort seemingly for no reason. So from a Jewish perspective, for the majority of America, uh, are you allowed to abort halachically? Well, the answer is it depends if it's before or after 40 days. It's not from conception. Um, it's not, you know, second trimester, third trimester. It's not whether it's viable. Um, it's not whether its head is outside the womb already. It's just 40 days is the cutoff, and that's that's the halachic cutoff for a non-Jew. But the halacha in regards to Jews, whether Jews can abort, is much more complex in the Gemara doesn't explicitly say whether you're allowed to abort or not allowed to abort, but it does allow abortions in a few different cases. And based on that, the Rishonim kind of pick up what the halacha of abortion is for Jews. Um, as we mentioned, the the straight-up iser of murder uh, from the Pasuk seems to only apply to non-Jews. So we're going to go through the Gemaras, and then we're going to go through some of the Rishonim, and then we're going to get into uh, the Machlaikas, Reb Maisha, and the Tzitzel and what the psak, uh, the, the modern psak is for the most part. Again, I'm not a Pisic. I'm not I'm not giving psak for any practical law. I'm just going to go through the, the chuvas and the sugyas to give you a basic outline of what we're dealing with. So the the first um, Gemara Mishnah that I want to discuss is Mishnah Ahalais, um, Parag Zion Mishnah Vav, which says that the Ishashi Maksha Leilid. So this would be a woman who's having difficulty with her birth and her life is now in danger. So the Mishnah says you're able to chop up the fetus inside of her and take it out limb by limb. This is a kind of gruesome way of doing the abortion, which is uh, done, I think, to this day is kind of how they do it. Um, Except I think they use a vacuum also involved, which I guess they didn't have access to in the old days. Um, And the Mishnah says the reason you're able to kill the fetus in order to save the mother is her life comes before his life. Uh, so the Mishnah sounds like it has a life, but her life comes before it. Yatza Rubai, but once it mostly comes out of the woman, in other words, the baby's mostly already, you know, born into the world, you can't touch him, because we don't push off a nefesh for a nefesh. So the Mishnah is very interesting. You know, it starts out saying that her life does come before his life, but then as soon as it comes into the air, all of a sudden, we don't push off the life. Um, either way, this Mishnah allows abortion for the if the woman life is in danger. So you can already see the mission is kind of assuming that there is some problem with abortion, but it's allowed if the woman's life is in danger. Now, the Gemara in Sanhedrin on Ein Bezim and Bez is talking about the din of a raidef, which is the din of somebody who's chasing after somebody else in order to kill them, that people are allowed to kill this person who's called a raidef, a chaser. So the Gemara says that even if the person chasing the raidef is a katan, is a very young person, let's say he's five years old, um, you know, maybe he's like a, a kindergarten school shooter or something. So you're allowed to kill him in order to save everybody else. You know, none of us should ever be in such a situation, but that is the lachan. Now the Gemara asks the question, if you're allowed to kill a katan who's a raidef, so why can't we kill, kill this uh, baby, as soon as its head comes out, or let's say as soon as most of its body comes out, why are we not allowed to kill that baby? Isn't that baby being right if after the mother? Isn't it chasing after the mother to kill the mother? And the Gemara answers, shiny hasam, no, that case is different, dimishmaya karatfilai, because actually heaven is coming to chase after. In other words, it's not the baby, it's it's uh, it's kind of nature is doing this, it's it's from Shemayim. So the question is, what does that exactly mean? 
Now, in cases of non-rudifa, in cases where a person is not chasing somebody to kill them, we have a general rule in the Gemara, which is, Who says your blood is any redder than his? In other words, uh, the, the case in the Gemara in Sanhedrin uh, is, let's say somebody comes to a man and says, either kill this guy or I'm going to kill you. The person has to allow himself to be killed because who says your blood is any redder than the other guys? In other words, who says your life is more important than the other guys? So anytime we don't have a din of right death, anytime we don't have a guy chasing somebody to kill him, the person, even if that guy is going to cause my death, I have to allow that to happen unless he's actually being right of me. So that's the first Mishnah, which is the mother's life is in danger. You're allowed to kill the kid, uh, the fetus, unless his uh, his body already starts coming out. Then you're not allowed to do it anymore because that's considered as if you're being chased from heaven um, and not from this, this fetus. The next case I want to talk about is the case brought up in Eirchen and Dav Zayin, which says that if a woman is Chayv Misa and she's pregnant, so we don't wait for her to give birth. Um, so that we can like save the baby and then kill her, we kill her with the baby. That's unless she's already in the birthing stool and you know the baby's the baby's already coming out. Then uh, we wait till she finishes giving birth and then we kill her. Uh, and the Gemara actually asks on this on this Mishnah and says, "Pshita, well, of course we kill the baby with the woman. Gufahi, it's part of her body." Um, which I'm sure the you know any uh, liberal listening to this or pro-abortion person listening to this is like, yeah, exactly. It's you know the baby's the fetus is just part of her body. Um, they might not like the next part because the Gemara says it's not so obvious you can kill it because it's her body because it might be her body, but it's her husband's property. And the only reason we don't say to save it because it's the husband's property is because we have a Pasuk which has which means and both of them will die, which the Gemara is learning out that that refers to this fetus. Um, but once the baby is already uprooted and is in the birthing canal, then it's considered gufacharina. It's considered an, a separate body, a separate entity, and therefore, of course, we save it. We can't kill it with the mother. Um, now, this Gemara has to be understood exactly. Is this a, a hatter of abortion? Is this allowing abortion? Um, seems to be allowing abortion anytime because if it's just her body, so, well, it's husband's property, so maybe it's destroying property. But, you know, anytime you'd be allowed to destroy property, you should be allowed to do that. Or maybe the only reason we kill the baby is because the mother's chayv misa, and even though the baby is, uh, you know, has life, but it's a life that's part of the mother, um, which is like a weird gray area. So maybe if the mother's chayv misa, you could kill it, but otherwise it would actually be murdered to kill it. Uh, that, that would be another way of understanding this Gemara. There is a Gemara in Gittin which says that a fetus is considered yerach imai, like the, the thigh of the mother, or like a limb of the mother. Um, that's in regards to slavery and emancipation. Then if you emancipate, you know, the woman, so that includes the fetus because it's considered part of the woman. So so these Gemaras are, seem to be seem to imply a more makal view towards abortion. Maybe if it's part of the woman um, and it's just a, a property, so then maybe you could uh, could do something to it. Now, the mission in Erechen and Zion, again, tells us that even after the mother, let's say the mother dies um, and she's pregnant, so we can break Shabbos, let's say, to bring a knife through Shasarabim in order to cut up, uh, cut open the mother to save the baby's life, the fetus's life, which means you're allowed to break Shabbos in order to save a fetus. Now, the Ramban in Taras Adam and Shar, uh, Shar Mechash, the Indian Sakana, he extends this ruling to include even a fetus that is younger than 40 days. So even though we call that Maibalma, that's just a fluid, the Ramban is telling us you're allowed to break Shabbos in order to save this. Um, now, obviously, in the case that we were just discussing that the mother is dead, I don't. it's not possible to save the fetus if it's younger than 40 days. Uh, but if there's any reason, uh, let's say the mother needed something in order to keep the fetus uh, going inside of her. So you'd be allowed to break Shabbos in order to save a fetus even younger than 40 days. 
So these are like the primary sources that are dealing with or touching on uh, how we deal with the life of a fetus. So again, the first one was the mother's life is in danger, where we said you're definitely allowed to abort. The second one was when the woman is Chayv Misa, which we also said the baby is considered part of the mother and you can kill it. And you don't even have to kill it with the Misa. The Gemara says you kill it before the Misa so that the mother is not, so it's not like kind of gross um, during your Chayv Misa that she still has a baby inside. So you kill the baby beforehand. Um, which seems to allow abortion even to, you know, protect the mother's dignity in some sense. And then the, the last Gemara, which tells us that you're allowed to break Shabbos to save a fetus. So all of these are, you know, have slightly different connotations, and we have to see how the Rishonim understand these Gemaras to, to figure out what the halacha is. So let's start with where, what is the issue of abortion for a Jew? We said that the Pasuk is, is referring to non-Jews, so is there even an issue for a Jew to do an abortion? So Taisa says that we have a famous rule of leka midi, that there's no thing that non-Jews are not allowed to do that a Jew is allowed to do. It's just, you know, we have 613 mitzvahs, they have they have uh, seven. It doesn't make any sense that Hashem would ask or something for them and allow us to do it. So he says, I, what about abortion? It seems like the Gemara says that for a non-Jew gets killed for abortion. So Taisus says, and this is Taisus in Chulin, um, and also in Sanhedrin, and he says that even though a Jew doesn't get killed for doing an abortion, it's still Aser. It's still Aser. So th- this din of Lakamidi, this rule of Lakamidi, in general is understood to be referencing an Isidurisa, that there is an Isidurisa because of Lakamidi, um, therefore anything that the Tyre tells is Aser for non-Jew, Minatyre is also Aser for a Jew. Now the punishment could be worse for non-Jews, and th- there's a few different reasons for this. Uh, first of all, we care more about the Jewish body than we do about the non-Jewish body. Um, just some, all the mitzvahs for a non-Jew, it's like Geneva. So Geneva for less than a pruta, non-Jew get, or Geneva, a non-Jew gets killed for Geneva. Jews don't get killed for Geneva. So the punishment is obviously going to be different between a Jew and a non-Jew, and it might be even harsher for a non-Jew, but the action cannot be allowed for a Jew if it's not allowed for a non-Jew. Now, obviously, there are different different cases which have to be discussed, um, and, and the Rishonim take that up, but this this Taisvis tells us that abortion, even for a Jew, would be usher on a derisive level. And then Taisvis asks, wait a minute, fine, so abortion in general is a problem, but the mission teaches us that to save the mother's life, it's not a problem. Um, so that would be something that for a Jew, they can abort to save the mother's life, and by non-Jew, they can't. So he gives two answers. The first answer is that for a Jew, there's a mitzvah of v'chai behem. They have a mitzvah to, to be able to live. Pikuach um, nefesh is and 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 doing something in order to save somebody's life is a mitzvah which a non-Jew does not have. And then he says, and, and maybe even a non-Jew can abort to save the mother's life. Um, which I believe is is the psak that a non-Jew can abort to save the mother's life, uh, but Taisus brings it down as a suffolk. Either way, we see from Taisus that a Jew has an iser of doing and uh, getting an abortion. Now the Rambam he quotes his Gemara that we quoted earlier, which talks about that the woman, if the woman's life is in danger, she's allowed to abort the kid. And he's talking about the din of a raidif. And he goes, "Afzu mitzvah This is the Rambam in Hilchos and Perak Aleph Halacha Tes. This is a mitzvah Not to have mercy, not to have pity on the soul of the person, of the chaser, of the person chasing. So you might think, okay, let's say I see, you know, Reuven's chasing Shimon, and I'm like, okay, do I have to kill Reuven or to save Shimon? I mean, one of them is going to die. So it's a, it's a laissez-faire. I can't have mercy on the raidif. And the Ram continues, Lofikach, therefore, because it is a mitzvah to not have mercy on the raidif, the rabbis taught, a pregnant woman who's having difficulty with her birth. You're allowed to kill the fetus inside of her. 
whether with a potion or whether, you know, sticking a knife in, because it's like he's being raideth after her, laharga, in order to kill her. But once his head comes out of the birthing channel, you can't touch him because you can't push off one soul for another soul. And this is just the nature of the world. Now, obviously, this is very difficult to understand this distinction exactly, because seemingly, even while the fetus is inside the mother, uh, it just seems to be the nature of the world. It's not like the, you know, the fetus is like, oh, I'm going to kill my mother and, and is like doing something to kill. It's just, it seems to be just nature. So the, the Akhrenim all basically ask this question and they deal with it in different ways. We'll get into that in, in a little bit. But the point of the, from the Rambam is that he views this uh, fetus as... A raidef, and that is the hatred to kill it. In other words, I would not be, even if the mother's life is in danger, I would not be able to kill it unless it was a raidef. Now, uh, Rashi on that Gemara says, As long as the baby hasn't yet come out, it's not a nefesh, and you're allowed to kill it, to save the mother. But once his head comes out, because uh, once it comes out, then it's considered uh, like a baby, and therefore we say because why is my blood, your blood, any redder than mine? Why is my blood any redder than yours? Why is anybody's blood redder than anybody's? Um, and therefore Rashi says that's the reason. And it sounds from Rashi that it's not a din in in ritzicha. It's not a din in murder, such that you have to say that it's, it's uh, the baby is a right if nor to have to kill it, because otherwise you're not allowed to kill people because that's murder. He just says that it's not a nefesh, so you're allowed to kill it. It doesn't have to be a right if it's just not a nefesh. Um, and therefore Rashi would have to understand that the iser here is an iser of, of chaval. It's an, it's, you're not allowed to injure yourself. So if the woman, if this is considered part of the woman and she, and she kills it, so that's injuring yourself. So that's not allowed unless you have some, you know, extenuating circumstances. So this would be one of the extenuating circumstances is her life is in danger. And therefore there's no problem to kill it. That would be the basic understanding of Rashi. So again, just to recap very quickly, we have Taisus who says that because of Lekamidi, that we can't have something that a non-Jew can't do and a Jew could do. Therefore he says a Jew can't either commit, uh, do an abortion. We have the Rambam who says that the baby is considered a raidef and that's why you're allowed to kill it, which implies heavily that it is actual murder. And we have Rashi who seems to imply that it's not a, uh, not a nefesh until it comes out and therefore you're allowed to kill it. And the problem with doing abortion in general would be an issue of injuring, uh, to the mother. Now, if we skip ahead about 800 years in halachic history, so we get to the, the Tzitzit Leezer and Ramesha, who are the two big names um, on opposite sides of the abortion issue. So Tzitzit Leezer was asked by hospitals in Eretz whether a Jew can abort a baby who they know has Tay-Sachs. So they were able to do testing while it's in the womb and it has Tay-Sachs, which is a, a terrible disease, which will, uh, the kid has no chance of surviving past the age of four. And even his years are, his four years are going to be filled with uh, sorrow and pain. Um, and he has no chance of, uh, of surviving it. So if the mother figures it out, can she uh, abort? And the sister said he could, and we're going to get into exactly why. And Ramesha came up very, very strongly against this. Um, he said that it, that it's uh, absolute murder. So let's get into that. So the Tzitzeliezer based himself primarily on uh, the tshuvas of the Chavis Yar and the Yavitz, Rav Yaakov Emden. So Rav Yaakov Emden says that if the mother was an Eshazish, um, she was married and she uh, she committed adultery and became pregnant, and now she wants to do tshuva. So the question is, can she abort that baby? So the, 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 Rav Yaakov Emden says a very interesting thing. He says that since she is Chayv Misa for committing 
adultery and we just can't kill her because we don't have venison we might not have had any uh, witnesses but the child inside of her is considered yerachima it's considered like her thigh like we said part of her body and we have that that mishnah which told us that if a woman's chayv misa you don't wait till the baby's born you can kill them both which means that the baby somehow is also chayv misa because of the mother so he says you can you can abort the baby um, and he says, even without this Chiv Misa, it's possible that for the great pain that the mother will have for having to have this child, uh, you know, from a different uh, person, maybe you can allow it also. And the Tshuva, the Chavis Yair, says that the biggest problem with abortion seems to be Hashchas Zara, um, wasting uh, the, the male seed. Um, and the terror is very, you know, comes out very strongly against this. It's a very big problem. And it should be avoided at all costs. But... It's not murder, and therefore there are times there are times when it's acceptable uh, to be able to do this, um, such as in in times of great pain to the mother. So the Tzitzes are based on these two, and also based on the Chuva of the Marit. So there are two Chuvas. We're going to get into this in a little bit. Uh, we're going to get into when we discuss Ramaisha. But the the Chuva of the Marit also seems to say that you are allowed to kill it for uh, any need of the mother. And based on this, the Tzitzeliezer says that you are allowed to abort. Now, it should be noted that although the Tzitzeliezer is presented as if he was like, yeah, any need for the mother, it doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter how late it is, you can go ahead and do an abortion, it's not a problem, all's very good. It's not at all what he says. He he talks about this in in a bunch of different Chuvas, and this is... I, I compiled basically the outcomes of each each chuva, and we're just going to put them together. So he says that a Jew can abort if there's extreme pain to the mother. And again, the example that he's using right now is, is Tay-Sachs, where the baby, the mother is literally going to have to go through nine months of pregnancy to produce a baby who's going to, the baby's going to rack up medical expenses, is definitely not surviving past the age of four, is going to be, the baby itself will be going through tremendous pain. And it's just, it's, it's emotional torture for the mother for four years um, with no hope with no hope at all, no Tay-Sachs baby survives past four years. So he says in, in such a case, you can do an abortion. Now, he points out that there are extreme Kabbalistic implications about doing an abortion. The Kabbalah comes out very against it. Um, the decision should never be taken lightly. Also, he also points out that allowing abortions can lead to more promiscuity. He says that if you do the abortion, it should be ideally done as early as possible and, and through medicine. Now, he adds in that based on the Yavitz, the Rebekah Vendin, and the Chavis Yar, there's room to be makele even by cases of of, of inus, of rape, or adultery, um, or incest, these kind of things. There'd also be room uh, to be makele. Again, you'd have to ask a rough. Uh, he also says that it's only until seven months, because that's that's once the baby's viable outside the womb, then you need a real special psak uh, based on the situation. He's not giving the heter for that. You need a, a particular psak once the baby's viable. Um, he says it's preferable to have a woman doctor do it because according to the Chavis Yara, as we saw, the problem is wasting seed and only men have that issue. So it's better to have a woman doctor doing it. Then he talks about cases of extreme emotional distress. So this isn't a chuva where he's talking about a, a kid who's Down syndrome. So if you do tests on the fetus and find out that the fetus is, has Down syndrome, so what would be the thing? So he gives an example of a couple who didn't have it. Literally, the woman was had two kids who died very early um, they had Down syndrome and they died very, very early. And the woman was going through extreme trauma and, and refused to have relations with her husband for fear that she would become pregnant um, and have to go through it all again. And it, it was almost two years and they were on the verge of divorce when they finally went to the Tzitzeliezer. And he said in such a case, um, you can allow, he, he told the woman that they can take testing. And if uh, the tests come back with a problem, they can abort the baby so they don't have it. And, uh, you know, Baruch Hashem, the, the, they had a healthy baby right after. But 
again, the two cases he was talking about was a Tay-Sachs baby and these this couple who had two uh, babies who died um, and were on the verge of divorce right now. He also adds in that the woman must always get the husband's consent to get an abortion because, it, after all, it is the husband's property, which is actually reminds me of a, a Dave Chappelle joke, which I heard, um, where he was talking about abortion. And he said, you know, I'm all for the woman's right to choose. You know, she can choose if she wants to, you know, get an abortion. You know, her body, her choice. I'm fine with that. He's like, but if she gets to choose whether to keep or kill this thing, then at least don't make the man pay for it. Which is uh, basically, it's just like as I was saying, you know, it's part of the man's responsibility. It's part of his possession. So, sure, the woman can decide to get an abortion, but the man has to be part of that decision because, after all, it is part of his property. Now, Ramesha responds uh, very, very harshly against Tzitzeliezer, and he says, okay, fine, so you have a Chavis Yar, you have a, you know, Rav Yaakov Emden. Um, he asks a bunch of questions on the Chavis Yar and Rav Yaakov Emden, and he tries to figure out exactly what they're talking about. Um, but basically, he says, I understand, Taisva says straight up that's an Isidoraisa, L'Chari that's talking about Ritzicha, because that's the, L'Chari that's talking about murder, because that's what, by the non-Jew it is. And we said that Taisva learns out the Yasser by the Jew from the non-Jew. He says the Rambam openly pretty much explicitly says that it's murder by saying that the only way you're allowed to kill the baby is because it gets a din of a right if it gets it's considered somebody chasing after somebody and therefore you're allowed to kill it which implies if it's not chasing after you you're not allowed to kill it and he says and even rashi he tries to explain that even rashi holds that it's murder uh, but but these are huge you know huge name paiskim and ramisha says you know chas v'shalom that you'd be makel on on murder uh, based on you know two Shver Chuvas from Achrenim when they're going up against the Rambam against Taisvis. Uh now, you know, there's there's a lot of back and forth about um you know, going through the Sugya where he that Sisla has wrote numerous chuvas on it, uh and trying to explain, trying to defend himself against Ramisha. And he you know, he comes off very almost incredulous at at, at Ramisha. So one of the reasons I want to get into this just very quickly, this is one Nakoda that I want to touch on from the Chuva. And the reason I want to touch on it is because I've heard it presented many times uh, like Ramesha is kind of just coming out of nowhere, and I'll explain why in a second. So, Tysus on in uh, Nida, Daf, Memdala, Damdala, he says in two separate places in Tysus, he says that it's mutter for a Jew to get an abortion. Um, and uh, that's obviously a problem for Ramesha, who holds that Tysus holds that it's usher for a Jew to get an abortion. And Ramesha basically says there must have been a mistake in Tysus, and he actually meant to say putter, which means you don't get a punishment for it, but it's obviously not mutter. Um, and then also with the Marit, so we mentioned Chuvas Marit, which is a, you know, a big Rishan who held that, who said that it was mutter to get an abortion for a Jew to get an abortion. And Ramesha says that that Marit was, um, made up, was a forgery. So he says that there's two mistakes in Tysus because they go against what he said. And he said that the Marit was a forgery because it goes against what he said. And it just sounds very odd. So I just want to give you a little bit of context. So the Tysus, which says that it's, mutter, that it's allowed for a Jew to commit an abortion. So now the first reason why Ramesha says that there must be a mistake in Tysus is because Tysus explicitly says that it is usher because of Lakamidi, that there's no thing that a Jew um, is allowed to do that a non-Jew is not. So Tysus openly says that it's usher. So when he says mutter over here, he can't mean mutter, he must mean putter. But even in the Tysus itself, um, I'll just read you the quote from the Tysus. He says, Afal gav de mutter laharga, even though it's mutter to kill uh, the baby, um, he goes, de hagaisis bide adam haraga putter. And he brings basically brings a raya from a geisis, which is, it doesn't really matter uh, what this halacha is, but the halacha over there is pater, which means that you're not allowed to do it. It's usher to do it. There's obviously an iser um, to kill a geisis, but you don't you don't have a chi of misa. So if he meant by abortion 
that it's totally mutter, so he wouldn't bring a proof from something that's not totally mutter, but is actually usher, but just putter. Plus, Tysus explicitly says that it's usher for a Jew to commit an abortion. So, obviously, when he says mutter, he doesn't actually mean that. And it's not just Ramesh who's trying to defend his chuvu, who says this. The Yaakov Emden himself, who we just quoted earlier, saying that you're allowed, he also says there must be some mistake in Tysus. And the Marsha on the, on the Tysus says there must be some mistake in Tysus. Or he doesn't say a mistake, he just says that he, he didn't mean it dafka mutter, it was lavdafka. It didn't mean mutter, he meant putter. And Ramesh just says, instead of saying lavdafka, he says there was a Tysus cipher, there was a mistake. But it doesn't really matter what it is. Tysus clearly doesn't mean mutter. So that, that's the one thing. And the Marit, who we says was uh, must have been some forgery so that's also the marit there's two marits there's two chuvas in one he says and i'll just go through them very quickly so in one chuva he says if in fact that the gemara says that it's pshita right remember we said it's obvious that that the woman that we uh that we kill the woman even while she's pregnant because it, it's part of her body so of course we're like, able to kill her if she's chayv misa so he says from there we see that we, we can't be talking about an actual life because from the fact that you're allowed to kill it in order to save the mother's embarrassment um means you can abort for any need of the mother that's one shuva and that's really what the tzitzli has based himself on um on this marit so Ramesha goes but i don't understand in a different chuva he says the marit says that from the mission in erichin which we saw earlier that that the mother's life is in danger we said if the mother's life is in danger uh you're able to kill the baby and we also see her allowed to break shabbos um in order to save the baby and taisvis says because of like that it's us to kill it so how can the mishnah the mishnah that he just brought a raya that he just brought a proof that you're able to abort for any need of the mother because the uh, because the Mishnah says that you're able to kill the baby if the mother's chayv misa. So he goes, how can that Mishnah say you can kill it for the mother's embarrassment? Isn't there an open or Can't you only do it for the mother's life, right? This is kind of the question that we're we're dealing with. And he says that it must be that the kid is really chayv misa since it's considered yerach Um So Ramesha goes, if he's saying you can only kill it because it's yerach and he's bringing all these riots that it's usher from Taisvis and, and that you're only able to kill if the mother's life is in danger and you're able to break Shabbos. So... It, He's contradicting himself from one shoot to the next. So Ramesh is really asking on on the Tzitzeliezer, understand, you have an open Rambam. And again, the Tzitzeliezer has an answer for this, but you have an open Rambam saying that it's murder. You have Taisvis pretty much saying that it's murder. Rashi might also be saying that it's murder. And against it, you have a, you bring one shoot of the Marit who contradicts himself somewhere else based on your answer, the way you're understanding it. And then you have, a, you know, Rav Yaakov Emden who says something that's, you know, very interesting. That you're able to kill the baby because the mother would be Chayv Misa if you had a Bezdin around, which is, you know, as far that you don't really see anywhere. And the Chavisiyah are fine. So, you know, Ramesh also has that. But these are, that's going up against the Rambam who says, it's actual murder it's not like you have some kashras issue where it's like okay we can rely on this reason maybe you can rely on this so you know you don't have to throw out the pot of food this is murder we're talking about you're actually you're going to kill somebody according to the rama you're killing somebody based on this you know very schwer chuva from the chavisiar now ramesha goes so far with this far that the only reason you're able to kill abort a fetus is if it's considered right if and he says that that even applies before 40 days because we saw from the ramban that you're able to break shabbos um, for this baby even before 40 days. And Ramesha says it, it makes no sense that you're able to break Shabbos to save a baby who you're also allowed to kill if you want. That doesn't make any sense. So it must be it's considered murder even before 40 days for a Jew, not for a non-Jew. And even if the mother is going to lose a limb because of this baby, you can't do it because that's not a right if. If somebody's right if to chop off your arm, you're not allowed to kill him. So you can't kill this baby even if the mother might lose a limb. And he says even if it's a question whether or not the mother's life is in danger... In other words, I'm not sure whether this poses a threat. 
a threat is a suffolk whether the mother's the light mother's life in danger means there's a suffolk whether the mother's going to die i'm talking about we're not sure whether there's even a suffolk if the mother's life is in danger or not so he says that's also not considered a right if now again there's, there's discussions for all of this but the basic shot uh sock of remisha that is considered murder is taken on by most of the uh or shalom uh the chazanish Rav Sheinberg, there's a lot of Akhrenim who, the, the, the mainstream psak is to pass on like Ramesha, that's considered Ritzicha. Again, you have to ask your own Rav. There, there are a minority of Rabbanim who are more Makel. Uh, I was just listening to a share from Rav Shechter where he was Makel for, he brought down a case where there was a girl who was in a base Yaakov and, and her parents weren't from, her family wasn't religious at all, and she somehow became pregnant, whatever, and she wanted to get an abortion because otherwise she'd get kicked out of base Yaakov, and if she got kicked out, she'd never be able to stay from, and um, and he allowed to, to abort in such a case also. So, you, you know, in for a Jew, the the, the range of psak ranges from always usher, unless the mother's life is momish in danger, to if the woman's going to have extreme emotional trauma, uh, that can also be allowed, again, with all these uh, different modifiers. You know, it, ideally, it should be early. Ideally, it should be a woman doctor. Um, the, the decision should never be taken lightly. It's, it's never a good thing. Um, and you, you have to ask a rub for... For, uh, for everything. So now we can go to the, the more fun part of the podcast, which is that's the halacha, that's what is correct and what is incorrect, that is what is moral and what is immoral. But now we're going to talk about what the problem about talking about abortion without halacha, without some sort of objective guideline. If you want to just come in and say, well, what is the problem with abortion? So the first question that has to be asked is how, how do you define life? And it's really impossible to define life without something objective. So I'm just going to take you through the stages of fetal development, which uh, you know, I found interesting, maybe you'll find interesting. It'll take just a couple minutes, and then we can we can discuss exactly what the issues of defining life are. So, at the first point that a pregnancy test will yield a positive result, um, within that week, the baby's heart is already pumping blood. Uh, that blood could be of a different blood type than the mother, obviously. Um, by week five, the baby is only the size of a lentil, but is already developing eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and his brain. By week six, the hands and feet begin forming. By week seven, the neural pathways begin forming. The lungs begin developing. Movement starts. At week eight, it's only the size of a grape that's tiny, but the earlobes are already starting to develop. By week nine, was it just the size of a kumquat, which I assume is a tiny bit bigger than a grape? Um, Their limbs can already start bending, and nails are beginning to form. By week 10, it's the size of a fig. They're kicking, stretching, and even hiccuping. It's adorable. Fetus hiccups. Um, By week 11... The baby's reflexes start, their fingers begin to open and close, the t- toes start curling, and their mouth even starts making a little sucking movement. By week 12, when it's just the size of a pea pod, um, which is the end of the first trimester, the baby's fingers have fingerprints, their veins and organs are visible through their skin. Um, by week 13, it can start th- sucking its thumb, use its facial muscles. By week 14, it's the size of an apple. And it can actually move to avoid light if you shine a light through the womb or through the, you know, through the mother's stomach. The baby will, the fetus will start moving around to avoid the light. Uh, by week 18, the senses are developed to the point that they can hear. By week 19, they're already eating and pooping. By week 20, they can do full kicks and jabs. They can even form patterns of when they kick. Uh, by week 21, their lips and eyebrows, they basically look like a fully developed baby. By week 22... This is really cool. They can hear and retain noises so that after birth, they can actually 
remember the noises and you know i don't know exactly how they demonstrate that they remember it um presumably they, they'll react stronger to things that they heard while in the womb by week 25 the hair is already starting to come in by week 26 which is end of the second trimester they're already sleeping on regular schedules by week 30 they can turn their heads from side to side by week 33 uh the baby can already be born uh, usually with no problems by week 37 the baby is considered at term and over the next few weeks the fetus continues to develop um, until, you know, it, it comes out as a fully developed baby. But a fully developed baby is not a fully developed human. And over the next few years, that baby continues to develop. It continues to develop into a toddler, which develops into a, uh, you know, a young child who develops into a teenager. So, you know, my baby's one years old right now. He's just starting to walk. He, you know, he's not fully developed. He can't talk. Um, there's, you know, his body's still going through a lot of developments. Um, you know, over the next couple of decades, the human develops. So at which, which of these points are you going to say, well, that's where life starts and that's where life, you know, not considered a life. Yes. Considered life. You can make up whatever arbitrary system you want. You can say, oh, when I think the thing has consciousness, when it has, you know, self-awareness, or I can say when it starts, you know, when it's, uh, when it's viable outside the womb, that's when life starts. But these are all just made up. And if you say that I can just as much disagree, um, or agree, it's just a matter of, you know, what I think, what anybody thinks and what people think, uh, changes so much. And that's the problem when you don't have objective lines. You know, we have a lacha. We have something telling us what is considered a life, when it's considered a life, when you're not allowed to kill it, whose life is more important than whose, when you're allowed to kill something, when you're not allowed to kill something. Um, you know, are humans more than animals? Are humans more than fetuses? Uh, are, uh, you know, is doing a nevera worse than having life? Uh, th those questions are all dealt with by halacha. And then I can say, okay, that's what God is telling me. That's what Hashem is telling me. That's what it is. But otherwise, I'm just making things up. I can make up that life starts, you know, as soon as fingernails come in that's when life starts or i can say second trimester i can say viability i can say when it starts breathing air i can say whatever i want but there's no logical reason to say one thing over the other these are just lines that we're creating arbitrarily and uh societies are notoriously bad historically at defining lives now we're going to get into that more in a second because the problem is not just defining life but it's defining the value of life right how do we value life i can say that well there's tons of things that are alive trees are alive you could define that as life but we don't value the life of a tree more than the life of an animal. We don't value the life of an animal more than the life of a human. It sh should be the opposite. But these are just comparing lives to lives. What about comparing lives to uh, ideals, lives to value, lives to values, excuse me. You know, for example, you know, 200 years ago, if somebody insulted somebody else, that guy had a right to kill the person because, you know, your life is not as valuable as my honor. Well, that's something that we don't hold of today. Um, you know, in Asian countries, they still have people committing suicide because their honor is at stake, which means they value honor more than their life. Um, different religious people value their religion more than life based on what their religion tells them. Uh, you know, in 80 years ago in Germany, uh, in Nazi Germany, a Jew's life wasn't worth as much as anyone else's life. That was the law. That was accepted by society. That was everybody held that. They could define a Jewish life, but they'd say that life is not worth anything. Now, who's to argue with them? You say a Jew's life is worth something? Well, why? Why is a Jew's life worth anything? Why is a black's life worth anything? Why is a white's life worth anything? Why is any life worth anything? Uh, all these are just arbitrary categories that we're creating by ourselves if you don't have an objective religion. Now, I mean, we can just go even the Constitution, which says, you know, every life is important and, you know, all men were created by the, you know, the thing. So for like over 100 years, that was not understood to include black lives. Um, now we understand that black lives do matter. Now, what's interesting is most people are basically sheep. Most people just follow what the majority is telling them, what their leaders are telling them, what the experts are telling them, what the media is telling them, what their, you know, leaders are telling them. So you can have that in the span of 20 years 
70% of people will hold that a fetus is considered a life and it's a problem to be abortion. And then 20 years later, they'll all be saying, what are you talking about? There's no life here. It's the woman's right to choose, which is, again, making this value system. It's saying that the woman's choice, the woman's autonomy is more important than the life of the baby. Now, they pretend that it's because we don't hold the, the baby's life, but they never actually bring any lines. The, the reality is they care more about the woman's freedom than the life of the baby. Now, who's to say that's a problem? Who's to say it's a problem if I decide that the woman's freedom is more important than her two-year-old baby? Why is that a problem? Now, it's very hard for a lot of people to hear this because they like to think of themselves as moral beings. No, this is right, this is wrong. It's a lot of dishonesty, though, because if anybody looks at history, they will see that the nature of morality has changed so much. And what they themselves believed or would have believed 20 years ago, you know, let's just say that uh, a man is a man, a woman is a woman, and a man who feels like they're a woman, there's something, you know, mentally wrong with them. Now that's considered immoral to think that. 20 years ago, it wasn't. But now if you ask, probably a majority of Americans right now would think that it's immoral to say that. It's immoral to call a man uh, a man if he wants to be called a woman. 20 years ago, that would have been considered special needs. Now it's considered not only normal, but you're immoral if you're not. So your morality or morality without God has changed so much and so drastically and with no underlying anything because there is no underlying anything. Us Jews have had the same morality for 2,000 years. And we discussed this a lot in the, in the conversation, which we're going to be releasing um, on morality. So I'm not going to get too much into it, but I would suffice it to say that without an objective morality, the arguments that are made for abortion can be made to kill so many things that nobody would feel comfortable killing right now. For example, the arguments that are made for, you know, being able to abort. Well, this kid uh, is going to be unwanted. He's going to be unloved. He's causing undue financial pain to the mother. He wouldn't be able to be alive without the mother's help. All of those arguments apply to a two-year-old baby just as much as to a fetus. What's really scary uh, to understand is that without a god, without religion, people could be convinced to do the most horrible things because there is nothing objective about anything. So if they're convinced that a certain value overrides a different value, then any actions which lead to that value uh, will be done. And I don't think that it's a super stretch to say that in the near future, uh, the allowance of killing post-born children will be allowed or the killing of special needs kids um, who are, quote-unquote, a burden on people. Now, just to show you what not having a God-given objective morality looks like, um, I saw a quote I was doing some research on the abortion thing, and I saw this uh, reform, quote-unquote, tshuva. And this is just a quote from it. I found it very humorous. It's from Rabbi Alvin Rels, Reeses, I don't know, Reeses, something like that. He says, there exists only, I don't even know how to read that word, melange? melange of subjective standards varying from one religionist to another, from one philosopher to another, and from one scientist to another. Consequently, since there is no objective standard for determining humanness, no impediment exists to deter the reformed Jew from deciding for her himself whether a fetus is a human being or part of the female in which it exists. In other words, because the philosophers disagree, because different religions disagree, and because scientists disagree, um, therefore the Reformed Jew could just decide for himself, uh, which is um, wild for a rabbi to be telling people they can do whatever they want because Gaim haven't decided something yet, when by the nature of their belief, the Gaim's belief, it's impossible to decide anything. Um, and their religionists are just made up, according to us. I mean, it's the reality, but uh, 
he should be believing in Judaism. Uh, it, it's just very confusing, but that, that's kind of the problem. When you don't have anything objective, well, anything goes, which is exactly what, what his quote-unquote sock is. Um, the argument that the baby is not a life is, is just not true, as we've already discussed. Uh, the value of this life vis-a-vis other considerations, well, that's subjective and it's really impossible to argue, which is kind of the problem, because people want to argue um, with people whether abortion's okay or not. So if a person kind of assumes that it's not a life, so then maybe you can have some discussion and prove to them that it is a life. Uh, but once it's proven that it's a life, if the person just has a different value system, what? unless you have some objective value system, how can I even start to argue on your value system? Uh, there's nothing I can say that you can't just say, well, that's what I want, that's what I like. Uh, you know, some people, you, maybe they have a value which you know that they're misunderstanding this and it actually would fit into their value. But in, in general, if a person has a value and let's say he values the woman's choice over the life of a baby, well, how are you supposed to argue against that? They'll just say that that's what I value. Um, you can call that evil, but that doesn't seem to work with, uh, with anybody I've ever had an argument with. Um, just to illustrate the ridiculousness of the point, let's pretend uh, a doctor... You know, he decides that he's going to, for fun, he's going to torture the fetus, right? So there's a, there's a fetus um, and he wants to torture it. Now it's not going to hurt the mother at all. And uh, there's no harm, no long-term harm done to the child. So would anybody say that that's fine to do? Because why wouldn't it be fine to do? Uh, The baby, the fetus is not a life. It's just part of the mother. It's not hurting the mother. Um, So do would that be a problem? But I don't think there's anybody who, if they were asked that, would not say that that doctor is evil because they're causing pain to the kid. Yet, if the doctor wanted to kill that kid, these same people would be saying, no, that, that, well, that's perfectly fine because the mother wants the right to choose. So the, the whole position is illogical, but morality without a God is also illogical, which is why this ends up happening. So now there's just one more thing we have to consider. Now that Roe v. Wade was overturned, the question um, that is being asked is, well, is this a good thing for Jews? We already discussed that the Jewish position is is different than the, you know, the common Christian or Republican position of life starts at conception and abortion is always a problem. Um, So this, you know, this decision of Roe v. Wade, people argue, is actually contrary to halacha, because halacha, again, allows abortion in certain cases, allows it up to 40 days, let's say, by a non-Jew, or even by a Jew, according to some Um, You know, according to some Paiskim, you're allowed to do an abortion for emotional trauma, extreme emotional trauma. Now, I, f- I find this question and argument to be very dishonest um, and, and ridiculous for numerous reasons. Uh, first of all, the overturning of Roe v. Wade just allows the states to decide. It doesn't, you know, ban abortion, allows the states to decide the matter. So far, there haven't been any states that I know of that bans abortion if the mother's life is in danger, which, uh, you know, according to Ramesha, is the only time you're allowed to do it. There's also always going to be states that do allow abortion, such as New York and, and uh, California. And if the mother really needed to get an abortion to travel there in a case of, uh, you know, not even to go to Mephish, you know, extreme emotional trauma, uh, I'm sure that could be worked out if the Rav gave up sock, they'd be able to collect money to to get them to the place that they need to be. But I think the main point is that, you know, up till this point, the amount of abortions, which would have been halakhically murder, was millions and millions of abortions, which were actual murder. Now, I don't know what kind of person would ask the question, well, you know, we just made a decision which is going to stop millions and millions of murders, but, you, you know, there will be like 600 people 
who are going to be unable to get an abortion when they might go through emotional trauma, uh, you know, is this really a good thing that we stopped millions of murders because now there, there might be 5,000 people who are not able to? It's just, it's it's ridiculous. Um, and it just seems to be a very dishonest take. And just to prove the dishonesty even more, uh, we have other halachas, which, uh, or sorry, American laws, which stop Jews from keeping the tire to the fullest. Um, but we're still very happy about them. So for example, you're not allowed to kill people. That's an American law. We're very happy about that because it stops people from killing people. Yet there are a bunch of mitzvahs where Jew is to kill somebody. So for example, if you see a non-Jew commit an uh, abortion, you have a chiv to kill them. Um, yet we're not able to, because we live in a country where we're not in control and we're not able to do murder. Yet we're still very happy that we live in a place which bans murders because murders in general, are problematic and very bad for us. I've never seen them ask, well, shouldn't we be upset that murder is forbidden because, uh, you know, there are times that you're able to murder? Because obviously everyone knows that, well, you're stopping tons of problematic murders. So yes, you will give up on a few uh, positives, but you're getting rid of tons and tons of negatives. And it's the same with abortion. Another thing is this law, now that it's been overturned, states do have the ability to make laws which are 100% in line with Torah, which up till this point, they were unable to do so. So that whole argument, I think, falls on its face very quickly. So just to quickly recap what we've covered in this podcast, for a non-Jew to commit an abortion is murder if it's past 40 days. Before 40 days, it's considered myobalm, it's considered just a fluid, and a non-Jew is allowed to uh, perform an abortion, but after 40 days, they're not allowed to. For a Jew, the range of Psach ranges from Ramaisha, who most of the Paiskim go like, who holds that it is full murder even before 40 days. Um, definitely after 40 days, most of the Paiskim agree with him. Um, but even before 40 days, it is considered murder. And this, and the range goes to the Tzitzelezer, who holds that extreme emotional trauma um, and maybe extreme embarrassment, you'd be allowed to perform an abortion. We also spoke that the problem with not having... Hashem or religion telling you what to do is that all your lines become very arbitrary. How do you define a life? Totally arbitrary. How do you value that life? Totally arbitrary. Is it more than an animal? Is it less than an animal? You know, according to the atheists, aren't we just animals? Aren't, do we actually have, we don't even have free choice. If you don't have free choice and you're just an animal, how can you even say that something you do is good or bad? Would you ever say that a lion eating a zebra is something evil? No. So how could you say that a human murdering somebody is evil. They're just, you know, doing whatever they do. That's just their animalistic urge. Um, they have no way of overcoming that, really. Anything that they do is, they have no free choice in that matter. So there is no really good or bad from an atheist. So again, life becomes arbitrary. The value of life becomes arbitrary. Anything you value against that life, in other words, different different value systems, um, you know, the f freedom of choice, quote-unquote choice, the, the freedom, uh, autonomy, um, pleasure, all these things weighed against lives become also arbitrary how you do that. And finally, we talked about how obviously Jews should be happy about the overturning of Roe v. Wade because it will lead to millions and millions of less murders being done in America. And hopefully, you know, America could be a, a beacon of light for the rest of the world and the rest of the world will fall in those ways and also start banning abortions. And yes, there will be times when halakhically it is permitted to do an abortion and we will lose out on that. But the overall good is obviously outweighs that little inconvenience. Uh, I'm Mati Cohen. This is Jewish Thought Flow.